The Heather McCoy Show. Welcome to The Heather McCoy Show. Uh, our middle segment, we'll be talking with Hans Johnson from the pro- group Progressive Victory, who will be talking about the Supreme Court's decision to take up California's Prop 8 case, along with uh, Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA. And then rounding out the hour, we'll have Robert Larson joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. But first, we'll start off with a regular contributor, the blogger we find, fieldofschemes.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good morning, Heather. Good morning. Um, last week, Deadspin put out a great animated GIF based on Judith Grant Long's research into stadi- how stadiums are paid for. Aside from the total number of st- sporting stadiums built, what are some of the other stunning conclusions from the data? Um, you know, it's the same stuff that Judith has been looking at for years. She's, of course, this, this Harvard researcher who's been working for, I don't know, 10 years now, um, trying to establish what the... Uh, Real public costs are of stadiums, not just the you know the sticker price that's listed in the newspaper, but counting all the tax breaks and counting all of the you know lease breaks and things like that, and additional costs of providing police protection, everything you know. And uh, you know what she's been finding is that over the years, obviously the the prices of uh, of stadiums have been going up, so the subsidies have been going up that way, and you can see that on the uh, on the deadspin by, uh, um, you know, just seeing the, the size of the little graphics getting larger <laughs> and larger. Um, but also what's going on is that, the, you know, the, the hidden costs are getting to be, to be greater. Um, and, you know, instead of 20 years ago, a team owner would come out and say, okay, I want $300 million for a stadium, go to the legislature and say, give me a check. Um, and now it's, well, I need a, a billion dollars for a stadium, so let's see what we can piece together in terms of this revenue stream and, you know, create a tax increment financing district over here and, uh, you know, uh, paying for some of our operating expenses there. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's nice to see it all in graphic format. Yeah, and, and, you know, Yankee Stadium is all about hidden costs. And while the, where the Giants play at AT&T Park, where they go, oh, it's a privately financed stadium, I think they have like a lease on the land for 70 years that is way below cost. So there's subsidies in everything, even if they do say it's privately financed. Yeah, no, and that's absolutely typical um, that you uh, that you see that. I mean, the the you know they've been talking about this new soccer stadium in uh, in New York um, in a public park and saying, oh, it's all private, it's all private, it's all private. It's gonna be a dollar a year rent. It's all private. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know that's that's like 10, 12 acres of public parkland um, that is going to be provided for a dollar a year, and you can say, well, it's not generating any money right now. No, it's not, but in exchange for that, they're going to have to um, create some other public parkland somewhere else, maybe in like a train yard or something, and potentially that's something you could have developed and, and you know, had run privately. And in any case, whether or not you actually are getting money from it now, if you're turning it over to a, public, to a private purpose, um, usually when you do that, you start collecting property taxes on it because it's something you have to, again, provide all these services for, um, like police and fire and all that, and, you know, hooking up electrical lines. Um, and uh, that's what property taxes are supposed to pay for. Yeah. Um, and in this case, they don't. Well, we talk about the loophole for tax-exempt bonds that uh, occurred federally in 1986 and as a boom to modern stadium building, and it's seen in the a GIF because the the biggest boom and when it went crazy is from 91 to 2004 as a result. What happened in the late 50s to have stadium subsidies, you know, the game start then? Was it uh, perhaps the Dodgers and the Giants move west and the modern leverage game was born? 
Yeah, it's, it's before that. It's the in, invention of the jet plane, basically. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, you know, suddenly, instead of, I mean, you know, Major League Baseball, before the Dodgers and the Giants moved, the furthest west team was, I think, St. Louis, because yeah. you really had to be able to make road trips by train. Um, and uh, starting in the 50s, um, teams realized, oh, you know, there's this whole other half of the country that we could, you know, with people in it. Um, and instead of being, you know, the Boston Braves, the second team in Boston, or the Philadelphia A's, um, you know, we could go and be the only game in town in uh, in Milwaukee or Kansas City, which at the time was a frontier, you know? Yeah. Um, and and so teams started moving, and at first it wasn't especially to um, extort stadium deals, you know, it was just, well, we want to, we want to, you know, there's two teams in our current town, we can be the only game in town, and, you know, Cities like Milwaukee were offering to build uh, to build stadiums. Again, they wanted the teams to pay rent when they played there. Yeah. Um, but they were but they were you know offering brand new stadiums uh, to play in, and so uh, you saw this sudden expansion. You know, first teams moving, then you saw um, teams uh, uh, you know the leagues expanding. You saw in um, certainly in football and uh, and basketball, you saw um, you know new leagues starting. Um, hockey went from six teams to like I don't know. 16 in like about 10 years, maybe less than that. Yeah. Um, so, so once once you saw saw um, once you expanded the possible number of cities, that really got the the number both the number of stadiums built in new cities, obviously, because they had to have some place for place to put people to play, and then also um, you know the older cities were like, well, you know, if we want to keep our team, we've got to build something. Um, you know, the difference is that again in the in the uh, Total cost area, a place like Veteran Stadium in Philadelphia, um, you know, may have cost them upfront money, but eventually the Phillies and the Eagles paid that back mostly. Um, whereas uh, when they built the two new stadiums in uh, late '90s, I think it was, um, those you know were mostly public money and were mostly uh, 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 you know not paid back by by team payments. I think that was actually one of the uh, one of the first tips. Oh really? Um, was the was the yeah was the Philadelphia ones? Like, uh, if I remember right, that was the one where the Pennsylvania legislator coined the famous phrase, you know, um, this isn't a grant, this isn't a loan, it's more of a groan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a way so you know people can say no new taxes, but we're just going to take you know existing tax money and divert it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, there's a long tradition of this now. In fact, what you're starting to see is things like going on, what's going on in Atlanta, um, where you'll say, "Okay, we've got this existing uh, uh, tax stream that's paying for the old stadium. Let once that expires, let's turn around and take it and use spend on a new stadium." <laughs> because, of course, you know, it's not new money; it's money you've been paying all along. So, um, uh, and you know, it, also. So that's 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 one of the things that's, that we're seeing a lot more of. Yeah, of course, sporting stadiums are one of the most visible ways that localities are give out subsidies to private industry. Uh, the New York Times ran a series recently about private companies playing the subsidy game to try to get breaks for either deciding to keep their business in the same town after all, or actually moving to a new town. What did you think of the series? And are there any nuances in the playing? in the game of playing cities against each other that are missing from our usual topic of sporting stadiums? Um, the series 
Series was good as far as it went. I mean, you know, certainly it's nice. I mean, this is an issue that I've been following as long as I've been following stadiums. The the original plan for uh, Field of Schemes, the book, was for it to be a book about corporate subsidies in general um, with stadiums just one chapter, and then we realized that that was probably a task better suited for an army of people so, uh, but you know, I mean, this is this is uh, something that really took off in the '80s, um, and you know, that was sparked less by um, anything around you know uh, uh, tax exempt bonds or anything like that, and really just about the fact that in the '80s you had massive federal cuts to local budgets, um, and you know, uh, you had a lot more. I guess I guess it was similar to the, to the Dodgers and Giants thing, in that you had a little bit more footloose companies who were you know willing to pick up and move to try and get better deals. Um, but really, you just had this you know sort of cash-strapped local governments who were like, well, we need to do anything we can to get development. Let's see if we can throw a little bit of money at somebody and get them to build a car plant or something like that. You know, because our because yeah. our our industry is disappearing. Um, so you started seeing what this what the um, this guy Art Rolnick from the Minnesota Federal Reserve has called you know the war. Uh, the economic war between the states, um, where you've got you know just cities throwing money at companies to try and get them to move to their state, or you know in the case of Minneapolis and St. Paul, they've been engaged in this for like 30 years, where you know one will throw money to get somebody to move across the river, and then somebody will, the other side will throw money to get them back across the river. Um, so um, anyway, the time series I thought was fine. I think it was. I think it laid out the problem very well. Um, in terms of uh, you know the threats that that companies use, I think you know there are some nuances that it missed. I think that you know there's a fair bit of research to show that companies don't really relocate all that much um, in order to get tax subsidies. Much like with sports teams, where you know the New York Yankees were not going to move to Charlotte, North Carolina, just if they offered them a new stadium because they you know want to be in New York for all the reasons that make them the New York Yankees. Um, same thing with companies. You know, companies want to be in a city that, uh, you know, has the transportation infrastructure, has the educated workforce, has whatever, has the uneducated workforce, if that's what they want. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they choose the city based on what, what mostly on those factors. Um, that said, if they can, on top of that, get a couple hundred million bucks to go where they want to go anyway, that's, you know, icing on the cake. Yeah. One of the things you write is that you wish the time series would have talked about how to rein in local level corporate subsidies. Uh, how can that be done? Yeah, there's lots of proposals. Um, you know, going back 15 years now, there was a, a congressman from uh, Minnesota named David Mingy who had a proposal to just have a, an excise tax on local level uh, uh, corporate subsidies. So, in the most extreme example, you could say, okay, if your company gets $100 million to locate a computer chip plant in this town, you owe $100 million in taxes, handed over. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing stopping Congress from doing that. They could easily do that. Um, but, uh, you know, they have, have, you know, that bill didn't get very far, clearly, because it was like, well, you know, we don't want to. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't even know if the people were, were explaining their opposition, but, you know, it was just. Nobody really wanted to touch this whole issue of, of uh, you know, corporations being able to get, get subsidies. Um, and you could scale it back. You know, you could have it be a, sm a smaller tax. You could have it be uh, 
um, you know, something that's that's not quite as confiscatory. <laughs> um, and it would still have a big impact if you know if they had to take a chunk of their money and hand it over to uh, to the feds. Um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, there's uh, there have been attempts at sort of you know interstate or intercity compact saying we're you know going to have a ceasefire and not try and steal each other's each other's companies, which haven't gone very far. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you know because it's always tempting, and you know there's always a new mayor who'll say, oh, you know, screw that, I can get I can get some jobs that I can you know <laughs> yeah. claim for my constituents. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, and then there's things like, uh, like reining in, uh, uh, tax exempt bonds, you know, or reining in TIFs. Yeah. Um, it really will take sort of a national movement, which there's, there are some attempts at, and there's, you know, groups like Good Jobs First that are out there, um, trying to, uh, advocate for this stuff. But, uh, again, the, the times sort of didn't get up to the point where they were talking about how to deal with the problem. They were just sort of like, oh, you know, companies can move around and cities have to pay up money and then the companies fold or move again and what you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Where the two topics intersect for me is, I'm not sure if you remember this, but when Alex Rodriguez, a former Seattle mariner, when he just arrived in Texas, he put out a public saying that Boeing, who was looking to move out of Seattle, should come to Texas with them. I'm not sure if you remember that or not. I forgot about that. Of course, <laughs> Boeing wound up getting tons of money for, uh, for, for its new, uh, new plants. I think, you know, both, both Seattle and I think Chicago both put up, right? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a huge problem. The one thing the Time Series did do a great job of, um, with some help from from data from Good Jobs First, in fact, was the was you know the scope of the of the uh, you know the scope of the problem instead of you know a couple billion dollars a year that we're talking about for for sports facilities is something like I think it was sixty billion dollars a year that they had for for the total amount of corporate subsidies. Yeah, but, you something know, we're like talking that. about sports stadiums every week because obviously it's you know, an interesting topic, and it's a way of sort of, uh, you know, it's a very visible way for people to see how public money is being given over to corporate leaders, but it's it's just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving on to actual stadium news, um, although the New York Jets Manhattan's plan stadium is no longer um, in the works, uh, a new project called Hudson Yards has sprung up in its place. What exactly is Hudson Yards, and how does the TIF tax remain, because the Jets stadium proposal is gone, and why does the TIF money is why is the TIF money paying off a bond for something that hasn't been built yet? <laughs> well, sprung up is probably the wrong term for it. Um, <laughs> the, the, the original idea. Now we're going back ten years. The original idea was build this stadium on these rail yards way on the west side of Manhattan, over by the Hudson River, um, and it would sort of help spark. Um, development of this area, which really has not a lot over there. There's a lot of like access roads with Lincoln Tunnel and um, you know other sort of. It's it's off the subway grid, by, not by a lot, but by maybe half a mile. Um, and it really hasn't developed the way a lot of the rest of uh, the rest of Midtown Manhattan has. Um, and you know, it's okay if you're bringing people over there, um, then uh, then you know that'll help spur development. Um, it didn't help that the convention center, Jacob Jarvis Convention Center, was already there. But never mind, a stadium that was, would be in use once for the Olympics and like ten times a year for the Jets, that would totally do it. Um, however, <laughs> it, it then realized that the same reasons why people weren't um, going over to the far west side in the first place, which is that the train doesn't go there, would apply to people going to Jets games. So they said, okay, we've got to build an extension of the train line that goes through Times Square, the same one that goes out to the, to the Mets Stadium. It comes right to Times Square, stops. 
um, there have been talk for years about extending it to New Jersey or something. They finally said, okay, well, we'll extend it, like, again, half a mile just across to the, to the Hudson River, right to where the stadium would be. Um, they approved all that. They approved the extension of the train line. They approved the, this tax increment district for all the development that was supposed to happen to pay for the train line, and then the stadium deal fell apart. So the stadium never happened. So you have this Hudson Yards plan that is still supposed to build all of these, uh, uh, you know, office buildings and apartment buildings, things like that. Um, and you have the, the extension of this train, um, which only goes one stop. Um, there actually is a fair bit of apartment buildings being built on 42nd Street around, like, 10th and 11th Avenue. The train goes right past that because it would have cost, like, another half a billion dollars to build a station there. So it goes right past all those guys <laughs> and goes straight to this empty rail yard where the stadium was supposed to be. Um, cost $2 billion, and it turns out there's no development yet to pay for it. So the city is paying hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> to pay for this thing until the development hopefully one day happens. And again, there were people predicting this 10, 5 years ago, saying, you know, this really could be a disaster. They said, no, 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 it's going to work out great. Um, and it could wind up being this huge albatross for New York for, for you know, years or decades to come. Um, I hope not. I hope that some development actually happens over there because that would be, it would be nice to not have to uh, have this huge debt. Although, at that point, you again have the question of if you do get all this development on the far west side and the money's being used to pay for the uh, subway, could it have happened anyway, in which case you would have gotten the money and gotten to spend it on things like schools and police? Or if it hadn't happened there, would people be building, say, in Brooklyn or in Queens or someplace else? again, where you would be getting the money and getting to keep it for, for public services. So it's uh, going to be a great uh, example of how not to do a subsidized project. <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, um, it's, uh, I don't know how well it's working out. Yeah. Well, sadly, we're out of time, and we'll have to get to the Flushing Meadows Corona Park thing because there was a protest and stuff. But um, Next week. Next week. Neil DeMoss is the author of the blog at failtheschemes.com and the book of the same name. Thanks for being on the show, Neil. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. This is The Heather McCoy Show.